two, one. Welcome everybody back to the Build Different podcast. This is going to be episode seven of Gold Rush and what a weekend of football we just witnessed. We have another exciting weekend of football ahead. High level, great action. I mean, across the board, I, I was pretty entertained. I mean, I know the Cowboys rolled over the Bucks, and, you know, the 49ers did their things, but still some cool games. You know, take it away, Bill. Yeah, up, I man? Mean, super wild card weekend was very super. And, you know, I thought it was corny that they were going to throw an adjective into wild card weekend, but damn, it lived up to it. So I'm all for it now. They proved me wrong on that. Uh, we had a few. It Really, when you look at the Cowboys versus Bucks and the Seahawks versus the Niners and you classify those two as the boring games of the week, damn, that's a pretty good bar to set. So divisional round, I think, should be just as interesting, man. It's great matchups. We're not blessed with everybody that's seen each other. We're finally getting into some unfamiliar territory, some matchups that we haven't seen this year so far. So I, I'm looking forward to it, but we've definitely got an exciting episode at our hands after uh, after that football that we just experienced. Absolutely, and we're basically we're we're just gonna keep it simple today. We're gonna give you some some updates from Thailand. I'm gonna give you some updates on some coaches. We're gonna go through the past weekend, and like I said, we're gonna go to the weekend ahead. And of course, another another brilliant episode of Bill's Block, and we we would love to talk about last last week's Bill's Block because it almost got me some parlay wins if it wasn't for yeah. Joe. Oh, bleeping burrow but that's a that's a sad story for another day so bill updates from thailand why don't why don't you lead us off yeah yeah cliff kingsbury has landed and he set up shop so you know oh, one-way ticket yep one-way <laughs> ticket to thailand uh you know i i'm very curious how many players coaches executives whatever come off of the worst season of their entire lives when this is all they know, and then just go bunker down in somewhere like Thailand. There's got to be some great stories of that where you end up in just some remote village just on <laughs> your life after a 3-13 and 13 season when you had a team that's supposed to really do big things. The Cardinals obviously disappointed and, you know, Watching Cliff Kingsbury on Hard Knocks this season was rough. That man was just sad. And you feel for him when you're really doing everything you can to do things right. And you just aren't good enough to do it. Uh, and then you also get bad hands dealt along the way. I cannot stop laughing at this. You really got nothing else to do but go to Thailand on a one-way ticket. So, hey, hope he's enjoying himself and whatever he's doing in Thailand right now. We're not going to dive too deep into those semantics. Uh, but but I, real quick, though, I, yep. mean, I, I think that's just what you do. I mean, you know, I feel like that's something that I would do. If I if I failed on that high of a level and got fired, it doesn't look like anyone was going to hire him. You know what? I'm going to go reinvent my whole entire life. I'm going to take a one-way trip to a country I have no maybe he does have some knowledge about it but i'm just gonna go to a country not come back reinvent myself <laughs> peace out yeah i mean the american dollar goes a little farther in thailand and he just a lot, signed a, a lot nice farther extension. <laughs> he's got to get paid that extension no matter what so right. my man is 
collecting paychecks from his village in Thailand now. He might be buying a village in Thailand. We know. So, hey. hey. <laughs> I wouldn't blame him. I would not blame him. So what about the Chargers? Interesting, interesting take here. We know yep. what happened to the Chargers. We're going to dig into the game a little bit later. Um, but they're keeping Staley. Yeah, 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 yeah. So update from the GM uh, said the rumblings of Brandon Staley losing his job if he lost that game were more of a media creation than an internal discussion. Of course it is, dude. But also, it was going to happen if you weren't so broke as an owner. So, well, it's on the owner, not the GM. So I, I get the GM still has to do his political speak. It's, it is what it is. But really, the Chargers are another sad, mediocre franchise that are doomed to, to really hit their ceiling at mediocre and they're just not willing to pay what it takes in order to take this organization to the next level. Uh, they know what Brandon Staley can do for them and seems like they're relatively okay with it. They got rid of Joel Lombardi. Uh, so offensive co coordinator position opens up, um, you know, as did Byron Leftwich today, he's gone as well. So this coaching carousel is going to get hairy for sure. But it's not going to get as wild as we thought. Uh, so with the, Brandon Staley staying put, Sean McVay also staying put, which broke pretty much right after we got done recording uh, last week. So there's really only going to be five head coaching openings where we thought there were going to be more. Uh, so it's really just going to be Panthers, Broncos, Texans, Colts, Cardinals. Those five spots have to be filled. Also a little less talent coming in as Jim Harbaugh announces that he's staying with University of Michigan. Uh, scandal is coming to Michigan, so I'm not sure what that was about. I don't know why he's staying, but ultimately he's staying. So that's all that really matters for this conversation. So now it's just one big fish in a slightly smaller than expected pond. Who do you think lands Sean Payton when it's all said and done? I said it. I said it last time. I'm going to say it again because the report reports are coming out that you know the Sean Payton loves the Broncos and the Broncos love Sean Payton. And like like I told you, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to my guns. You don't like Russell Wilson. I don't like Russell Wilson that much either. But Sean Payton also said something interesting, and it, it agreed with my take as well. Is that the team has talent. It doesn't really necessarily have to fall on Russell Wilson because we know at the very least that Russell Wilson could be a pretty cool game manager. He did not have a good coach last year that could at least make him a good game manager. And I think with Sean Payton and this amazing coaching staff that he's going to put together, I think the Broncos are the perfect fit. The Broncos want to throw their money at him too. And like I told you, man, if Sean Payton's going to come back, he's going to come back to a team with talent and he's going to come back to a team that's just going to give him a boatload of money because he's an old man and he wants to get paid. So, Listen, I'm less surprised now if that does happen than I would have been a week ago because the L.A. job openings never come up. So you're, you've got me convinced that it's at least possible, but I don't <laughs> think it's going to happen. And Dan Orlovsky earlier today had take on Get Up and – this one at first had me thinking, how in the hell is this even a conversation? 
And then I thought about it a little bit more. And man, he might be on to something. Out of all these job openings, let's take a look. The Cardinals, they're in some weird cap situations with, you know, Hopkins wanting to leave. Kyler, who knows if he can stay healthy. You know, J.J. Watt retiring. There's, there's a lot going on in Arizona that makes it a little bit of a weird situation. You got to build a culture there, I think. Yeah, and, and it's not a winning culture. They don't be- none yeah. of those guys believe. At the same time, you see how quickly a culture can really get flipped on its head. And with a coach like Sean Payton, maybe he can. So, again, not ruling out Arizona, but it's not an ideal situation. So, then we go up the list. The Colts they got some draft capital here, but you know, no quarterback anywhere in sight. It's, it's a, a work in progress. progress. It, you, the culture I don't think is that bad there. And similarly to the Broncos, I think you have a young stud running back that can be a core piece to your future with Javante Williams in Denver, John Taylor in Indianapolis. So both of those I'd say are possible and winning histories. I, I, I could see it. I don't think it's where it's going to happen, but it's possible. The Texans? No. No no way. And that's the first one that I think is officially interviewing Peyton. But, man, this franchise has never been relevant. The ownership... They've really... They've taken a big dump on themselves. Yeah. The ownership is awful. They did not get a return on any of the players that have left. They've given too much on people like Laramie Tunsil. They're going to have to pay Laramie Tunsil if they want to keep him. And he's really the the most talent on that team right now, uh, even though his statue is going to be built outside of Hard Rock in Miami for the haul that they got for Laramie Tunsil. Uh, but Texans, I just think they're too much of a shit show of an organization. I don't think it's possible there. So that leaves me with one team. It's Carolina Panthers. And I wouldn't have thought before that Sean Payton would land here, but the Carolina Panthers have DJ Moore, who's really a special talent wide receiver, Terrace Marshall, who I think is going to be a good NFL wide receiver. They have a couple of running backs. Deonta Foreman is solid. Chuba Hubbard's solid. That offense with those guys and Sam Darnold was able to produce toward the end of this year. So, Defense, studs. Honestly, a great, great defense. You know who likes playing with a great defense on the opposite side of him? Tom Brady. So if you give me a package deal of Tom Brady and Sean Payton in Carolina, you know they're (laughs) going to talk to each other. You know they're going to be intrigued about where each other are going to land. Bill, I'm the smoker. (laughs) I hear you, but this is an Orlovsky take earlier today and i'm with it suddenly i can't really see it happening anywhere else for either one of those guys so there is there are plenty of teams that need tom brady (laughs) services but only five can land sean payton i think that i could very much see sean payton and tom landing together so that's why i think it's carolina panthers yeah, I I just I see there's I would see Sean Payton more closer with the Texans than I would see him with the Panthers. I just I don't know. You said it. You said it yourself. Uh, I believe it was last episode or maybe a couple episodes ago. The Panthers are a work in progress. No matter which way you slice this uh, this equation, they are a big work in progress. What 
If you insert Tom Brady and Sean and Sean Payton into this occasion, they win that division, of course, because the division is going to be weak. But I don't think they make a huge playoff run at all, unless they, of course, beef up the team, which you would want to do. And Tom Brady, man, he needs he's going to need an offensive line. <laughs> uh, Panthers are they're not known for having a beefy offensive line. If I'm there's two special situations this year where I think teams are going to need a very damn near perfect offensive line. And that's going to be one, the Dolphins with Tua and two, wherever Tom Brady goes. Because if Tom Brady can be kept absolutely protected, I still think he has one last good season in him. But Carolina Panthers, I don't think Tom Brady's even going to take a chance with that. I think Tom Brady would land on the New York Jets before he would land on the Carolina Panthers. And Sean Payton, I don't know, man. I mean, the Broncos have just, it's night and day with the talent between them and the Panthers. Uh, that's too much work for Sean Payton. He's old, man. He is, but, you know, he wouldn't be coming back if he wasn't ready to work a bit. And it's really not as much work if you have Tom Brady, who's basically a coach on the offense. So Sean Payton, who's an offensive guy, can come in. You know, he's going to have pick a litter for defensive coordinator. Honestly, I think it's easy to say that you're, he's going to land top talent, no matter what, what that looks like. Uh, but. The one guy that I do want to talk about a little bit from a defensive coordinator standpoint as we're kind of approaching that, coaching carousel is going to run deeper like we talked about through the coordinator positions and so many gaps to fill once they move to head coaching jobs because I do think they're going to promote some brand new coordinators to head coach that haven't coached before, such as D'Amico Ryans. Uh, so I like Vic Fangio to be a defensive coordinator somewhere who's currently just an assistant with Philadelphia. Uh, so without that title, it doesn't really come with a paycheck and the chance to build back up uh, to become a head coach in the future, which I don't know if Fangio even wants that. Uh, but there are going to be a few different teams vying for Fangio services now. Uh, I like my Dolphins to end up landing Vic Fangio. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about how the Dolphins go out, and but ultimately they did let go Josh Boyer, and it's because of a pretty poor defensive performance against the Bills and against really everyone else this year, ranking in the 20-somethings uh, amongst a lot of different key stats, despite having plenty of talent to not do that. A guy like Vic Fangio could really turn the Dolphins around, uh, and I think that could be a, one of the only key pieces that they really need, aside from, like you said, a better offensive line or at least better play from who they've got. Uh, one of very few pieces that I really feel Dolphins need. Anywhere else you could see Dick Fangio end up landing? I he's If he's not going to be a head coach somewhere, I think he's staying on the Eagles, like, for sure. I mean, the, the Eagles, they – what I love about what we did is we – we ignored the media because the media, they, they didn't know what the hell they were talking about at any point in time, you know, whether it was to stick with Carson Wentz or to go to Nick Foles. Well, it turns out neither one of them were the answer. It was Jalen Hurts. And the continued um, hate against Jalen Hurts, me, I never hated Jalen Hurts. I was always just indifferent because we see, we see quarterbacks like him that – it's not necessary, necessarily Lamar Jackson and Michael Vick, like a fast quarterback that's just dominant. He was just a fast quarterback that needed to learn a lot. But he did. He learned a lot, and he became a beast. And everything else followed because, as you see, the Eagles, they did not look like the Eagles when Gardner Minshew 
was was under there. So the Eagles have built a very phenomenal culture, and I don't think he's going to get away with that unless he's presented with the opportunity to head coach, in my opinion. But it would, like I said, change the change the Dolphins for sure because what he's been able to bring. Yeah. And I was going to talk about it later, but the Eagles they have I think about four or five players with twelve plus sacks. Um, it's just so many outrageous defensive numbers that it, it's a it's a culture. It's a complete culture that's been established, and I'm I'm glad to be witnessing it because um, this is there's going to be some great football uh, years ahead for the Eagles, but. Really fast before we move on from coaches, I do like the Chargers keeping Staley, and I do like the um, the Rams keeping McVay. The only reason is because the Rams had a lot of unfortunate luck this year with injuries. Um, you know, they didn't really get Cup at any point. You know, healthy this season. Um, they Stafford went down. It looks like Stafford's going to try to come back. He's going to exercise his next two years in his option. Don't know where that leaves Maker, Baker Mayfield, but we'll talk about that on a different episode. Um, so I like them running it back. Why not? I mean, you won a Super Bowl the year before, fully healthy. See if maybe you can get another season out of that because I don't know. I, I know McVay is a solid coach. Um, yeah. I know he's always been surrounded by talent, but it takes a certain coach to make that talent work regardless. And then with Staley, I don't like the Chargers. Everybody knows I don't like the Chargers, but they were injured all year. There's nothing that can really change um, that. And for the, like you said, that run that they made at the end of the year to solidly get into the playoffs, they were up 27 nothing at one point in this game. You literally just had to change maybe one thing to get yeah. to the next round in the playoffs, which is a closing effort. Yeah, <laughs> but, we'll dive uh, more into that yeah. game very soon. Uh, my closing thought on the coaching carousel for now, uh, just D'Amico Ryans is the hot name right now. He's currently defensive coordinator of the 49ers. I think he's going to be the cream of the crop out of the young guys that uh, are going to end up with a head coaching position. I think but he's going to go to the Colts. I could see him going to the Colts. I, I really think it's between Colts and Cardinals for him. Uh, so I you typically see a team uh, kind of flip-flop. They go for experience one guy that doesn't work out and then they take a rookie then you take a defensive side coach one time that doesn't work out so you go to the offensive mind and your Colts fit both candidates because you know Frank Reich well Frank Reich was a rookie head coach right for the Colts was that his first time yeah I mean because he he was a coordinator for the Eagles and okay. then he went to the Colts. Yeah, but, so with, I mean, I was going to say, I mean, I know it would be still. going from a rookie in Jeff Saturday to a rookie, but <laughs> um, I wouldn't even consider Jeff Saturday a rookie. I think he would, I think it's going <laughs> from whatever is below a rookie to rookie. So I still think it's yeah. changing levels. You know, that is, that is a good point. Yep, you did go from rookie to now experience. Just <laughs> this isn't the experience everyone else is looking for. <laughs> So it's quite possible. They might look at it that way. Jimmy Ursay is obviously not quite with all of his mental faculties like he used to be. So he might think D'Amico Ryans is a 20-year coaching vet, even though he was definitely playing in the NFL like three years ago. Uh, so, hey, I, I could see either one of those landing spots, but I think D'Amico Ryans is going to be a, a fantastic leader. This might be a guy it doesn't work out right away for as a head coach, uh, but I think he's going to end up being a fantastic coach in the NFL. Hopefully he lands in a good position to do so with 
ownership that's cooperative and can help him build a team. Uh, Cause obviously that's a very, very important component, much more so even than coaching. If recent history tells us anything with who's been winning Super Bowls, but uh, good luck. Miko Ryan's all the same. So flipping over to past weekends, football, uh, we're yes, going to kind of take this from the least exciting to the most exciting, save the best for last. But again, even the bottom of the barrel here in terms of excitement was pretty damn fun to watch. Uh, let's start off with America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, taking down the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, listen, Dallas looked good, and they looked every bit like we expected – anybody to look when they're facing whatever came out of the NFC South. Uh, but, you know, they it, they didn't just squeak by. The Bucks actually played really, pretty close to, you know, at least not, maybe not the best of their abilities, but better than what they've been playing for the last many, many weeks. So Dallas showed out on offense especially, but they frustrated the hell out of Brady. So I like what I saw there from Dallas. Yeah, I mean, they they rolled. I mean, it was, you know, it, it was what was supposed to happen. <laughs> I mean, I know it's just you got to believe in intuition and, you know, the tales, the, the legends of old. And, you know, you want to believe in Tom Brady like I did. Um, but what, what happened was exactly what was supposed to happen. I mean, the Cowboys, they, they flipped a switch. I think if, if you're a Cowboys fan, you're really content with this because – to end the season, um, you can either look at it as one or two ways. One, they were kind of relaxing. They, they knew the spot that they were going to be in. The Eagles were dominating. I mean, yeah, the Cowboys did almost, you know, take the, the lead, but that was only because Jalen Hurts got hurt. Um, but, you know, the Cowboys relaxed. They knew what it was. Um, and then they got an easy matchup against the Bucks, and they flipped on the playoff switch, and they did really good, and now they're moving on. Um, or you can just look at it as they really, really struggled. Um, but maybe that's not the case because this was different. Um, cause even Tony Plard, you know, he, he showed out as well. That was good. Um, Dak Prescott, he made some really, you know, good plays, clean, solid plays. And then Tom Brady, man, I mean, it sucks, but I'm, I'm kind of glad this run with the Buccaneers is over. It, it looks, it looks done, cooked over, like beating a dead horse if he comes back because it's just there's just no flare and flame anymore. It's just not. He he needs to go to a perfect situation now. If he's gonna keep playing football, he needs to have the best offensive line possible. They don't have that. Um, their defense is falling apart. Their coaching is not calling you know the the best plays all across the board. It's just not where he wants to be. My one hope here though is that Mike Evans gets traded because that guy is a winner. And he's yeah. been one of the most consistent football players, you know, maybe, I mean, not of all time. Well, yeah, I think we 10 plus really? seasons of a thousand yards yeah. is actually all time consistent. So yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and say that one of the most consistent players of all time. I hope he doesn't get stuck in this uh, trash that's about to happen with the Buccaneers yeah. because as we see with some of these players that stay on these bad teams, like Michael Thomas, they end up without the will of, of playing football. So, right. Yeah, it's going to get bad fast. Just to really help exemplify that nail in the coffin, uh, the Bucks let go a lot of their assistant coaches today. Let go Byron Leftwich, who I did mention, but I believe there are five other assistants, some from both sides of the ball. Uh, so unless they're really going to say, hey, Tom, see what Edelman and Gronk are doing and, and you know, 
See if you can lure Wes Welker back. James White is probably ready. Whatever is the better saying of beating a dead horse would be what that would be. <laughs> yeah, for real. So it's unless that's the move for the Bucks, I don't know what they'd be doing. So really, that's it's got to be the end of Tom there. And, and I didn't even think about the Mike Evans piece. Man, I hope you're right. I hope he does go somewhere exciting because uh, he's still absolutely got it. He's getting yeah. up there now in terms of experience, but damn, he's barely lost a step. Uh, so He can take a lot of teams over the edge. Yeah, yeah. And, he, man, he was that one deep ball away from at least ending his Bucks career, hopefully, in fireworks. That would have been an awesome way to end uh, Tom Brady's tenure as well it just with the, at least one more touchdown not that would have mattered but hey would look pretty so either way um to wrap things up with the cowboys that was one of Dak's best games and he did it during the playoffs uh so yeah. last year you saw a playoff switch but it was turning off once they hit the playoffs this year they turned it on once they hit the playoffs so all of a sudden the cowboys might be a threat but we also haven't seen the Cowboys in the divisional round in a good long while. So, hey, let's see what they've got. Uh, we're going to see what a lot of teams are made of as we get into the second round. Certainly going to end up against a lot more talent than what the Bucks put up against them last week. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, as, as we sit here, I still don't know who I think is going to win that game between the Cowboys and 49ers. But speaking of the 49ers, you know, the 49ers, they, in the first half, you know, it's like that. It's like that picture. Ah, uh, I mean, in the first half. That's in the first half. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, the game was really exciting between the 49ers and the and the Seahawks in the first half. However, 49ers come alive, absolutely blow out the Seahawks in the second half, and it wasn't even close after that. Yeah, so it wasn't even really a tale of two halves. It was a tale of the first third and fourth quarter versus the second quarter Seahawks crushed the second quarter, man. It, it was a great, great performance by Geno Smith in the second quarter. But outside of that, they didn't belong here, man. It, it's it, it. You can't really say anything else about the Seahawks. They didn't belong in the playoffs and good for them for making it by all means. It was a great, great run, but it, this was a team that was supposed to, net three or four wins total and hey they gave the 49ers a good little run in the second quarter ended up making it a game all of a sudden where they go into the locker room at halftime with a chance they're feeling good but the 49ers did not allow that to happen afterward Brock Purdy looked pretty good again like he really really crushed it they've got a lot of talent on that offense man and you know what this tells me more than anything else? Say it, Bill. Say it. I was really correct on Jimmy Garoppolo. He has never been that good. Jimmy Garoppolo reminds me of, A, every other backup quarterback that failed to actually find success outside of the Patriots organization. So, He's probably somewhere between Matt Castle and Brian Hoyer. And another guy he reminds me of is Nick Foles, minus ever actually winning anything. On his all, right, own. I was gonna, all right, Bill, all right. Minus <laughs> You're taking this season. too far. So, 
So here's why I like the Nick Foles comparison a little bit. You put him in the perfect situation, he can succeed, right? Don't do you think that if Nick Foles or if Nick Foles was all right, I can't say that because I don't actually believe in that. I'll let you believe in Nick Foles, but I was gonna say if you put Nick Foles in front of these 49ers, how do they do? They do amazing. They do. I promise, and I will go ahead and say this, if Nick Foles was on the 49ers instead of Jimmy G in any of these last, what, what has it been, three, four years, I promise you the 49ers would have a ring. Yeah, they had a chance, man, but instead they drafted Brock Purdy with the last pick of the draft. So <laughs> Brock Purdy is doing better than Jimmy G ever really has with this team. And it's not because Brock Purdy is this light years ahead of anybody else talent, but all of a sudden it's just like when Tom Brady got thrown into the game and a very, very good Patriots team when Drew Bledsoe goes down. So it was not the quarterback play at that time that they needed. They needed somebody to be able to keep this thing on the road. Brock Purdy's keeping it on the road and Jimmy G could have sure but he can't stay healthy. So that's a whole different issue. That's a, that makes Jimmy G even worse than I thought he was as a regular throwing quarterback. But the everything else we've seen from Nick Foles when the team around him wasn't perfect tells me Nick Foles is not that good. But I got to give it to you. He was damn good once, and that's all you need. And he's a hero for I... it. And Jimmy G no, could be not... somewhere too, but Jimmy G is Nick Foles. Nick Foles. Okay, so like this Jimmy G is like a clearance rack version of Nick Foles, all right? Because Nick Foles, the the reason why I know Nick Foles is good is because his first tenure with the Eagles, he was solid. He was amazing. Go check the stats. Oh, and I then know. when he came He's back, because he was under Jeff Fisher and Jeff Fisher made him look horrible. He came <laughs> back to the Eagles. Locked up, <laughs> locked up with Doug. Pe- I'm sorry, Jeff Fisher makes me laugh every time I think of him. But he locked locked in with Doug Peterson. They got it back together. Carson Wentz went down. Nick Foles stepped. Yes, he did step into a perfect situation, but he came back and did it again next year. And if it wasn't for a ball that went through Alshon Jeffrey's hands, butterfingers in that very last play against the Saints, we may be sitting here. Not maybe the Eagles may have won the Super Bowl that year too, because Nick Foles was starting to really light it up yet again, and he was getting that momentum. But that's all the way besides the point. Jimmy G, I'm not gonna st- still sit here and say he's fully talentless. I think injuries really uh, bit him. I'm not gonna sit here and, and put too much emphasis on this Purdy performance because at the end of the day. He still struggled like a rookie did in the first half. And if he does that against the Cowboys, the Cowboys are going to eat him alive. That's a conversation for for another point in this episode. But for this, my final take is that you can't sit here and rip apart the Seahawks last episode and then give Purdy all this credit this episode. I can't allow it, Bill. I got to see Purdy against the Cowboys. This playoffs is weird because I don't know whether to believe in the Cowboys or not, Purdy or not. All these different lucks and everything's going to go into this game. It was a cool performance, but the 49ers, I think overall, just how amazing their team was, just really tired the Seahawks because it was a great game in the first half. But luck and a Cinderella story can only take you so far, and you saw that by them just getting brutally beat down in the second half. I'll give you that. I, I 
am a, a little too high on Purdy after just facing the Seahawks. But ultimately, uh, let's stop bashing the Seahawks just for a moment and let Geno ride off into the sunset. I hope this is the last that we've seen of Geno Smith, to be honest. I think it's a storybook ending for him. Uh, really proving everybody wrong. I don't think it's sustainable. I don't think the Seahawks can be actually good with Geno Smith. So they have the capital to to make a move, get a young guy in there, and maybe Geno Smith starts the year as a starter next year to be a mentor, but hopefully he gets to pass the reins with some dignity still left in the tank. Uh, but hopefully this is... I don't know. How can you say that, man? He was just all pro. He was he threw for 4,000 yards, man. Pro and ball, I get it. not all he... pro. My my apologies. Pro he's a pro bowler. All these different terms that the NFL has. Regardless, I I think they're gonna stick with him. I mean, they're gonna probably draft a quarterback in the first round and then finish off their team. Like you said, they have money. They can really build a solid team around this where Geno can be sustainable. I truly believe Geno could be sustainable. If he if you can get four thousand yards out of Geno freaking Smith. I don't know, Bill. I listen, yeah. but like you said, enough uh, Seahawks bashing. Geno Smith, hell of a year. Thank you for all the motivational quotes. Yeah. This was one of the uh, most amazing stories that we're gonna get from NFL like ever. And I'm glad it could happen with such a cool coach and Pete Carroll in such a cool city in Seattle. Um, you know, just keep going. Don't don't let this. Don't let Bill tear you down. Uh, you got this, Geno Smith. <laughs> I, I, I want those more motivational quotes in a booth somewhere or something. I, I His talent is wasted on the football field when he's got things like, they wrote me off, but I ain't right back. I want exactly that happening in the Fox broadcast next year. And I just, I, I don't know, man. You just, you improve this team and you, you have a legitimate team. They've got the seventh most, most cap space in the NFL going into next year. So listen, they do have room to grow. And DK Metcalf, they learned quickly in the second quarter, it seemed, that you feed that guy the ball, plays are going to happen. And he ended that game at least close to double-digit touches, and suddenly it felt like they had a chance uh, when they were feeding him. So I think they learned some things, and Geno is a guy that can get a lot out of Tyler Lockett as well. A couple extra pieces and, you know, keep Ken Walker healthy. Also give Ken Walker a full year on the field and Hey, maybe magic can happen. Maybe they catch lightning twice, but uh, I just, this is pretty much the ceiling though, man. Like you're going to end I, up in the wild. I don't know. Time. It's like you said, they got, they got money. They got the draft picks. If they do things the right way, which the Seahawks seem to do a lot. Yeah. I don't, I, I can see this being a really good team next year. Yeah. It, it's, it's possible. Not going to rule that one out either. But on to the next game, uh, we had the Giants with the upset over the Minnesota Vikings. And that's right. This is somehow in the bottom half of how exciting the games were. So this shocked both of us. We both had the Vikings taking down the Giants. But, man, when the Giants get into the playoffs, magic sometimes happens. So. What have you got to talk good about your division rival, New York football giants? Well, I mean, I I really wish I would stick with my gut. 
when I predict some of these things because it was it was just like in baseball um, earlier or late last year. You know, I, I sat here and I felt like, you know what, the Phillies are they're they're gonna be the team that goes on an incredible run, but you know what, fuck the Phillies because the Phillies and they ended up going to the World Series and I was sitting here saying their pitching is good, their hitting is good, whatever. And I don't know, it's just it was perfect to see why the Giants would beat the Vikings. The Vikings had almost no steam whatsoever going into this. They they were just, you know, the worst 13 win team of all time. The Giants were like, you know, nothing to lose. Everything looks good. They're playing. They played like they had nothing to lose. Daniel Jones ripped the Vikings apart. And you know what? You got me. I will sit here and apologize. You know, Daniel Jones looked like a great quarterback. In a time where we need some good quarterbacks in this league, Daniel Jones stepped up and he stepped to the plate. And it was a lot of pressure. It's the Minnesota Vikings. They were supposed to win this game. That's pressure alone. He stepped up to the plate. Him and Saquon, again, another good game. And I think they got a culture building in New York, a very scary one. One that's honestly, you know, the Cowboys got to play this right, or I think this could be the Eagles and the Giants division um, going ahead. Um, but, I mean, we got three, three NFC East teams uh, moving on, on to the next round. But, you know, the, the Vikings, it's – and like I already told you, it's weird that I oddly predicted that. Justin Jefferson's already raising some issues. He wants to get paid more. Um, Kirk Cousins just fell flat through a three-yard dink on, on fourth down to end the whole game. Slapped to the face to the entire fan base. Um, you know, you ain't going to at least throw it, you know, past the first-yard line. <laughs> Whatever, whatever have you, the Giants win. They are now dangerous. I do not fear them, however. We'll talk about that, but yeah. Yeah, you hit a lot of a lot of the important ones here. Uh, so Daniel Jones, lights out performance. Uh, had Everything him. he did was just right. Yeah, yeah. He was, if I wasn't going where I went with quarterback last week, Daniel Jones was the next man up. Uh, and it was mostly because he's playing against the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, so I trust that the Vikings are going to be bad on defense more than I trust anyone is going to be good. So with that said, uh, Daniel Jones was an excellent play. He was he was a championship winner for anybody in those tournaments. Uh, if that's all you needed is to pick the quarterback correct. Saquon looked great. I don't understand why they didn't feed him a little bit more. Man averaged like six yards a carry, and they gave it to him nine times on the ground. Given they threw to him, uh, he had another five receptions. And a couple of those were basically fancy running plays just off to a side. So, hey, they're utilizing him. That's what you need to do with your playmakers. And I trust Dayball. But it's just still mind-blowing in a game that you're in the whole time. It's not like they were down 27 nothing, and we'll get to that in a little while. Uh, but they were in it the whole time. There's no, There was never a reason not to be running the ball a bit more consistently, especially when they were having that much, much success. Uh, so uh, ultimately, the Giants' offense looked stellar. Uh, the defense, it looked okay. It, it looked Good, in fact, just not great. So when you said you didn't go with your gut with the Phillies, and you should have because they had good pitching, they had good hitting, the Giants don't have good pitching and hitting here. It's not a team that's stacked on offense or stacked on defense. 
but I get it. it. It's playoff giants and somehow they make it happen in the playoffs. So there have been other times where they were, they weren't supposed to be here. They get here and now all of a sudden nobody wants to play him. And I'll tell you what, even if they don't win this next game, I guarantee you nobody's very happy about seeing the Giants on their schedule in the following week from this point out. Yeah, absolutely agree. I mean, it's it's important to build a culture, and I think that's what they got now, especially after that win. Um, but it what what I really uh, meant by that statement was it's just like I, I gotta I'm I'm just gonna follow my gut, you know, moving forward because uh, it's just. It's the Giants. It's the New York Giants in the playoffs, and then it's it's the Minnesota Vikings. And, you know, New York owns Minnesota and just about everything else. So One closing oh thought on the Giants, I do love Isaiah Hodgins. And when I he say that, that they basically don't have any talent, I, I definitely quote me on saying that they have no talent in that receiving room. Darius Slayton is essentially the best they've got. I'm wrong. Isaiah Hodgins is a stud. I think he's going to end up being a top 24 receiver in the NFL as soon as next year. If not, it would be the year after that. This guy, he's got the build for it. He fits the system. He's a guy that Dayball is going to really like and really be able to rely on. Showed short hands. He's got some good toe tapping. The kid's good. And, you know, I I think the Giants are going to be able to capitalize that moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, moving forward, uh, the Bengals, they they get a very lucky win against the Baltimore yes. Ravens. Um, for me, I'm going to keep my opinion very short here because I am very salty, but I'm going to I'm going to talk about the Ravens. You know, it was very I was very impressed by what the Ravens did. Um, you know, at the same time, it's like. They kind of overplayed in a way because I feel like they could have definitely won this game, um, but there was just a couple of you know question mark decisions. Like obviously, you know the the obvious one, you know sending Hunt, Huntley to jump over everyone and then him fumbling the ball would be one of them. Um, not using the timeouts the right way towards the end of the game, really not giving yourselves a chance against you know in a very winnable game. Uh, but overall, I'm impressed by the fight that they put up. I think Tyler Huntley, if you put him in, you know, maybe a Geno Smith kind of situation, I think he'll he he's going to be a successful game manager. Um, but you know, if, if this game is completely different, I believe if Lamar Jackson is playing, if you run this same strategy that you did, but you have Lamar Jackson, I honestly feel like the Ravens would have crushed Cincinnati. But Cincinnati gets by. Joe Burrow, you completely tore my heart out. Two parlays um, equaling $1,200, both combined. One that had him getting two touchdowns. The second, um, uh, well, 230 yards. Didn't get either. And it was was just, it was a sad performance by the Bengals for me. Um, They, it's not good, but... You know, our very next topic um, after you give your opinion on the Bengals is going to be the Bills also squeaking by. So maybe the Bengals get a lucky, another lucky game here on the on their platter against the Bills. Who knows? I'll let you take this away. I have nothing else to say because I was absolutely shattered after this game. Not going to lie. <laughs> so thank you for being so brave and talking about it <laughs> during your trying times. But I'll, <laughs> I'll run with it from here. So the Ravens defensively looked great. Honestly, they looked great to hold that Bengals team, which everyone talks about how loaded they are and how 
cool Joe Burrow is under pressure and everything. He wasn't cool against their pressure. Uh, so really put up 17 points against Ravens defense, despite being able to do just fine on time of possession. The Ravens defense is stacked. And, you know, if they were able to get by this one, if they did get a healthy Lamar, I really think we're looking at this Ravens team as absolute contenders. And everyone's really looked at the AFC as a three-team race. It's been the Chiefs, the Bills, the Bengals. And it's it was always going to be that unless Lamar got healthy as this defense got stacked. So uh, this Ravens team is a big question mark in the future. We've got a lot of lot to talk about during the offseason. They know now that they need Lamar uh, in its current structure. If they need if they're gonna win anytime soon, they need Lamar. And that defense is built to win right now. So I don't think there's any question but giving him the contract that he needs. Uh, Tyler Huntley looked good. I'm gonna disagree a little bit. I, I think this is kind of his ceiling. I we really saw his ceiling when nobody knew what he was about. He came in and put up ridiculous fantasy numbers and almost won me a fantasy championship. Uh, but that was not even this year. Uh, that was the year prior. Uh, so, you know, now that he's a little bit more figured out, I think he's going to be a solid backup. I think that's really it. I think he needs to be a backup in a team that's built around mobile quarterbacks. So really, I don't think there's a ton of use for Tyler Huntley in this league outside of where he currently is, which is essentially a perfect situation. And he proved that he can fill in and win a football game. Uh, just needs to be a little bit more situationally aware. You got everybody back. If you've got 11 guys in the box and, and really three of them are set to jump over the line and try and punch that ball out, you just can't go over the top. And it, it was a terrible, terrible way for that game to end, essentially end. And I really wish Mark Andrews would have made that game-saving tackle because, frankly, with the right motivation, I wouldn't be shocked if Justin Tucker could hit a 70-yard field goal. So I wanted to at least be able to see that chance at a ridiculous game-tying field goal to put it into overtime from Justin Tucker. Uh, that's really what I signed up for there is a whole lot more Justin Tucker. I only ended up with one field goal. So a uh, little disappointing in how it ended, but overall certainly a very good game to wrap up Sunday night's sleep. Uh, so on to the next and this is my heartbreaker, but while it was a heartbreaker, it did give me a lot of hope as well. Uh, the Bills sneak past the Dolphins. And really, with Skylar Thompson in there, I gave us zero chance. I did not believe, but damn it, it didn't matter if I believe. Everybody in that locker room clearly, clearly did. So, Bills looked good. I don't have a lot of kind things to say about the Bills right now for obvious reasons, so I'll let Tom do that. Uh, but Dolphins definitely gave me some hope moving forward. Yeah, I mean, you know, when when it comes to to the Bills, I mean, one can say they looked good. I I I want to go that far. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think Chip Skylark and the Dolphins—they played. They had a lot of motivation to come up and and Buffalo didn't and do that. You know, so I want to, you know, hats off to them. Hats off to the entire team for still putting up effort. I didn't think they would. I thought Miami was just, you know, get to the playoffs, let things happen. But 
they showed a lot of promise, showed a lot of hope. Uh, like you said, a lot to build on. Um, but on the Bills side, you just I, I can't I can't accept. Like Josh Allen was playing like an absolute idiot at one point. Um, I'm surprised that you're not sitting here harping on him for those three interceptions that he threw almost all in a row. Um, we'll it, it just, in my opinion, it, it wasn't a good game by the Bills. They squeaked by. And when, when I say squeak is that if Chip Skylark was any better of a QB, this could have been a lot different of a game because he had his chance at the end of the game, I believe twice, to take the lead. Um, but obviously, he, it, it, it's Chip Skylark, so he didn't. He didn't come through. So listen, Scott, I'm going to disagree a little bit. I I think it it couldn't have been a marginally better quarterback. I think if Tua was in, certainly a different game. I think they kept him clean at least vast majority of the game. I don't know if there were any sacks at all, let alone many. So um, overall, Skyler was able to do almost everything he wanted to do, and he was not the guy that let us down. It was crucial drops from both Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Uh, so they both dropped passes that were right in their hands and Jalen Waddle trying to make a catch with the shoulder pads instead of his hands. Like this is rookie stuff. And, and these guys have both had absolute surefire hands this year. Uh, they actually, we did start off the year. I remember with quite a few drops, but as soon as we got rid of chase Edmonds, that problem seemed to fix itself. Uh, so the drops hadn't really bit us recently when we were actually losing games and we dropped them in the big moment. Uh, so they both made up for it. They both had stellar plays. I have no less love for either one of those guys after those drops, but really it's hard for me to bash Skylar Thompson at all as a seventh round rookie that well, did a hell of a lot more than anyone expected out of him. And you're right. Josh Allen did not do what he should be doing. He did not take care of the ball. And we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, in a little while here. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I can bash Skylar Thompson because, you know, when you go 18 for 45, you know, 200 yards, you know, one, one touchdown, two interceptions. I mean, yeah, you know, a couple of big drops, but at the same time, it's like, you know, you only lost by a few points. So it would have been like better quarterback play. And I, I feel like he, you know, you guys win. Did want to just touch base. You, you made me think of something. Here's where I think you might be right on that. If it was a slightly better quarterback, and I don't mean better in terms of how he played, just somebody that's been there and done it a little bit more. Tiny Joe bit Flacco. More experience. A Joe Flacco would have known that the clock is winding down on fourth and one and you can't afford to delay a game penalty. Just come up with something. Even if you have to improvise, even if it's a designed halfback run and you end up trying to sneak it for a yard or something, it's better than backing up to fourth and six. Literally six times as hard to convert that play compared to a fourth and one. So that's the play that killed me from a Skylar Thompson standpoint, something where I know if we even had Teddy in there, uh, then it could have been different and Teddy was healthy. So that's the part that kind of crushes it even crushes you even more. Uh, but I, this showed me why Skylar Thompson was active as QB one and Teddy wasn't, I think Skylar Thompson was ready. And I, I don't think there, there were any other uh, situations where we would have been in that game if Teddy had started. So uh, by all means, hats off to, to chip Skylark. And uh, 
solid game overall, but a little bit more experience. And I, I think we actually might've been able to take that one down. Absolutely. And, you know, getting, getting on to the most exciting game, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they, they come back from being down 27, nothing, and they beat the Los Angeles chargers. Um, I, I thought the funniest part about this was that when the chargers went up 27 to nothing, I go on Twitter and everyone is just like, ah, this game is not over. The Chargers are going to blow it. You know, the Jaguars are going to come back. You know, even me, I was just sitting there like, ah, this game, it's not it's not close to over yet. And then they scored before halftime, and I was like, there, there's a chance here. There, there is absolutely a chance. Um, and, yeah. and they did it. They, they came all the way back. And it, it was kind of exactly what I talked about, was that it was just the feeling of the, the Chargers just – it just felt right, like that the Chargers would just blow it to the Jaguars. And the Jaguars, Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence, do I think they're going to beat the Chiefs? No. But that duo in the future and what they're going to have to build on, I love it. I'm sold. Bill, I argued with you earlier this year about Trevor Lawrence. I'm officially sold. The four interceptions yeah. in the first half was horrible, but it, this was his yeah. first playoff game. He shook it off and came back and erased all of that with that way yeah yeah i mean that that's the thing this could have been an entirely different narrative and all it would have taken was the loss it, it didn't matter if he almost came back if he threw those four interceptions but he came back he came all the way back and really it never even felt like the chargers were going to win that game at any point in the second half as soon as the the jaguars had i believe 14 points it felt like they were in control of this game which is nuts. That's not how this is supposed to go. You should not have a 13-point trail and feel in control of the game, no matter what the game is, no matter who you're facing. And this is one Don of Peterson the worst, be cooking, man. Yeah, this is one of the worst blown games in NFL playoff history or even NFL history. So a 27-point blown lead is devastating and should have led to the coach being fired. But broke ownership means that we're not going to pay two coaches at once and we're doomed for some more mediocrity out of the Chargers. And I need to throw some heat at Brandon Staley for a decision he made before this game started. A week prior, started Mike Williams, and we talked about this, how playing your starters in a meaningless game that doesn't have any say on the standings doesn't have any say on your opponent at all, especially when your starters have been banged up all damn year, is stupid. It was a stupid move by a stupid coach, and now he had to leave. Now he has to live with it. Thought he should have had to leave with it as, as well, but now he has to live with it. And I think this is kind of their ceiling. And Keenan Allen isn't getting any younger. He's injury prone as it is. Mike Williams injuries are, are really piling up. Austin Eckler wasn't able to do anything on the ground at all. And given the Jaguars are stellar against the run, but man, you ran the ball. Uh, how many times did they run the ball in the second half? <laughs> you know this stat? I want to say, say they ran the ball twice in the second yeah. half. It, it might have just been twice in the third quarter, but that's really where the damage is being done. So, listen, you, you can't 
You can't do that. And if you're not sold on Austin Eckler as a guy that can run between the tackles, then go get somebody who can. Austin Eckler is one of the most respected names in this league right now at the running back position, and you can't just milk the clock a little with him. Because even if you didn't get first downs, uh, frankly, Austin Eckler could have probably ran the ball for minus two yards every time he touched it in the second half. If all they did was run the ball and punt, run the ball and punt, run the ball and punt, enough time would have came off that clock where maybe we are looking at a different outcome without even a first down. And they didn't do any of that. They gave Jaguars all the time in the world to do anything they wanted to do, and defense couldn't stop them either. So all around, just an awful, awful, awful game by the Chargers. But kudos to Jacksonville. If you're down 27-0 and your quarterback has thrown four interceptions – to still believe in your guy and have him keep slinging it, to not sit him down before he sets an all-time record for most interceptions in a game or something, to not think about like his career and how that could impact him if he ends the game with nine interceptions. Just let him sling the damn ball. Trust that he has the short memory that he needs. Go out there and win the damn thing. And he did. It, it was awesome. It was a lot of fun to watch. It's, it's like I told you, man. Uh, you know, Doug Peterson's a winner. Trevor Lawrence is a winner. The Chargers, they're not winners. Their culture is, is not a winning culture at all whatsoever in any in any way, aspect, shape, or form. Um, Doug Peterson, it reminds me of that photo of, you know, Thanos cooking. And they're like, what was he cooking? Because Doug Peterson, man, he is a beast of a coach. And to still have your team inspired coming out of that halftime, you know, locker room or to even get that one play on that one touchdown before going into half, you know, designing and drawing that up to make sure that you had that score. Because, yeah, I mean, Trevor Lawrence, he had a horrible first half. Um, but you know what? That's that's why there's a second half to football. That's why it's not over. And and it's like, you know, these teams, I, I don't understand why. You know, we see way too many stories of it in football. Um, we don't see too many in, in other sports, but in football especially, and I don't understand how some of these teams don't learn their lessons, but we've seen it, you know, with the Falcons and mainly really with the, with the Falcons in, in that one particular situation should yeah. be enough to tell you that when you have a lead, protect it, run the fucking football. Holy yeah. crap. Run the football, take some time off the clock. If you're up by four touchdowns, what do you have to lose by running the football? If they start coming back, start throwing the ball. But what are you doing throwing the ball as soon as we come out of half? You got a three-touchdown right. lead. You got a good running back. Utilize it. I, I don't know, but it's it's the Chargers' way, and that's exactly why I couldn't sit here and, and say that the Chargers were going to win this game because that's the Chargers' way of doing things, and it, it is what it is. They're now going you know, to Barbados, and the Jaguars are still fighting. The the reason I trusted the Chargers to win that is because I thought all signs pointed toward the Jaguars being the hotter, better team right now. And when I think that, and it's that clear, but Vegas puts the line in the other direction, I am typically wrong. So I I overcompensated. I trusted Vegas instead of myself. And I went Chargers last week. I said 27-24, which I love not- Vegas pretty close but uh no cigar so yep the jaguars take me down and ruin 
an almost perfect bracket. It was really just the Giants and the Jaguars that ruined it for me. What's that? How do you think they? How do you think they do against the Chiefs now? This is going to be an exciting one, and man, you can't rule the Jags out. Frankly, I don't think this is it. I don't think they're ready yet. I think what they're going to need is Calvin Ridley next year. I think when Calvin Ridley joins this squad, they're going to be terrifying on offense. And ETN is going to be a monster. I hope they get a power back that can run behind him. And, and, you know, ETN reminds me of some old Giants. Like when Giants had that exciting rushing attack, uh, and they brought in Brendan Jacobs to be the Thunder while they Brendan Jacobs had various different lightnings during his career. But they need a guy like that. And, you know, if they can get that, I think this is an absolute – so, what's that? Oh, I said Antonio Gibson. That was like randomly a name that just came to mind. Yep. Possibly. I, I want somebody big. I, not uh, Derrick Henry, obviously, but, you know, somebody built like Derrick Henry instead of Antonio Gibson. But uh, there are options. There's going to be plenty on this market, but we'll talk about next year next year. Uh, let's talk about Chiefs right now. Uh, the Chiefs are really built for it right now. And we thought – the Chiefs are going to take a big step back uh, with losing Tyree Kill. They didn't. Holmes looks stellar, as always. And the Jags are pretty poor against the tight end. I think this is a ridiculous Travis Kelsey day. I'm talking two or three touchdowns. So I don't think the Jags really have a chance. But I, I'm excited to see them try all the same. What do you think? Yeah, um, you know, I, I'll, I'll agree with you. I don't think this is the year for the Jags. I'm, I'm going Chiefs here. I think the Chiefs are just going to take care of business. They're going to get warmed up because they're going to have to because either which way, whoever comes out of the Bengals and Bills, um, it's going to be a rocking matchup um, next um, because I know, you know, Joe Burrow is going to want to go back to the Super Bowl and Josh Allen is going to want to get his revenge on the Chiefs. Um, but for this game, you know, the, the Jaguars, let, let, let's see what you guys are made of. You know, I, I know they're not going to sit down and roll over. The, the Chiefs defense is not, you know, an, an a big all-time defense that's really going to sit here and shut down the Jags. The Jags have a chance to score. They're going to get their chances. Um, so let's see what they do with it. I mean, I, I, I don't want to sit here and say that the Chiefs are going to blow them out. Um, but all signs and everything is pointing to it for sure. And I, I, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna go that way. I'm not gonna say it's a blowout. I'm not really gonna give too much of a score prediction, but I do think the Chiefs are gonna walk away with a, with a win here against the Jags. And Doug Patrick Peterson Holmes could work some magic. It. I'm not ruling him out because Doug Peterson, but I don't see it happening either. Yeah. But moving on to Giants versus Eagles, I think the Giants' magic runs out here. Uh, ultimately, they haven't played well against the Eagles. And the one question mark is whether or not Hertz can be healthy enough to actually throw the ball down the field. Uh, we didn't see much good from him in, in his week 18 matchup, but it was against the backups. Both teams didn't really care. Uh, the Eagles knew that they didn't even really need to win the game to, to secure first place. Uh, Cause they trusted the Cowboys would blow it to the commanders and Hertz Zero touchdowns, two interceptions against a good Giants defense, but without trying to give up too much of their game plan. Giants pretty much didn't have a game plan. So neither team really learned anything from there. The week 14 matchup is the more 
telling one, then it says that the Eagles are going to run away with this. Uh, they gave up a ridiculous, a ridiculous total to Miles Sanders. He played lights out. Uh, that matchup was actually the last time Jalen Hurts did throw a touchdown. So if he gets to resume where he left off in that game, all will be well. And Boston Scott, fun fact, is a giant killer and has scored, I believe, 10 out of his total 17 touchdowns in his career. 17 touchdowns in his career, 10 of them are against the Giants. So I think the rushing attack is going to be lights out, and I don't think the Giants are going to be able to come back. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins being the only one they got. Eagles are great at shutting down – a one-dimensional offense. So I, I don't think that the Giants really stand a chance here. Yeah, and, you know, I, I like what, I, like I said, you know, I like the way the Giants looked against the Vikings. That was all cool and everything, but it, it just, it sucks for them. I, I'm happy about it. I'm fine with it. But it, su- it sucks for the Giants that they have to run into the Eagles because um, the Eagles, in my opinion, they're going to be way too overwhelming um, for the Giants to get a win here, in my opinion. Um, Whether Jalen Hurts has his best performance or not, I think the Eagles' defense is going to absolutely suffocate the Giants. Um, And whether or not, you know, the Eagles have Jalen Hurts going off or not, the running game will make up for it where Jalen Hurts struggles. So I think either way, the Eagles will get down the field. They'll get their field goals. They'll, They'll tire down the Giants' offense. And either which way, um, or they'll tire down the Eagles, de- uh, the Giants' defense. My apologies, but either which way, I think you know that second half. It's gonna. Be, I, I I see this game going much like the Seahawks and the 49ers did, where the first half will probably be really really close, but then the second half, the Eagles are probably gonna run away with this very very handily, um, because like I said, the Eagles up and down, they're a monstrous team, and the Giants, like you said, they do still at the end of the day have a lot of holes. It's just now they have the now they are the ones with the Cinderella story and the ones that you know do look like they have a lot of magic um, to run off of. But it's the Eagles. I, I don't see it. I, I think I honestly think the Eagles blow out the Giants here. Similar to the Doug Peterson story with Jacksonville, there is a scenario where a coach can really pull a rabbit out of the hat. Uh, Brian Dable is just as capable. He's a creative guy. Um, it can really get the guys to come out and play. So I'm not blown away if it's a close game. I am definitely shocked if they actually win it. Uh, but, uh, you know, it'll, I think it'll be close. If, if Hurts if Hertz struggles, yeah, I, I think it'll – if he if Hurts struggles the whole way through, I think it'll be a closer game. But I, I just – this Eagles defense is going to absolutely shut down Daniel Jones at least. I mean, if Barkley has a good game, he has a good game. But I just think we're going to overwhelm Daniel Jones. He's not going to be able to do the things that, that he did against Minnesota in the slightest. Because he was doing whatever he wanted against Minnesota, yeah. and that gave him confidence. He's not going to have that same confidence uh, against Where the I disagree a little, I think he's going to be able to get it going on the ground a bit. I don't know if he's going to have 80 yards again essentially like he did against Minnesota, but still – he definitely won't have 78 and 300 passing yards, but you know, if he can get it going on the ground a little bit while Hertz is playing poorly while Dayball is coaching his ass off, there is a real scenario here. I, I'm not ruling the giants out because of that scenario, but those are, those things are all going to have to come into play for them to win. There's not really a different scenario there. So next up we got Bengals versus bills. We know all the emotion tied to this one. 
this one's going to be a, a packed, loud, loud stadium. And it's going to be fun. We already talked about how much excitement there was for that Monday night football matchup. This is going to live up to that hype. And I really think that if Josh Allen can take care of the ball, that's the number one thing that has to happen for the Bills to take on anyone. The Bengals, I don't think pressure enough that, you know, there's the obvious Tyler Huntley turnover, but man, if they can't get Tyler Huntley shaken up, I don't know if they're going to be able to get Josh Allen shaken up. Yeah, I mean, I I think the Bills are going to take this handily. They got, you know, yes, they squeaked by the Dolphins, but I think the Bills needed to shake off a lot in that game. They needed to shake off a lot of emotion. They needed to shake off a, a ton. I mean, because it's not like they went into the playoffs with all this momentum. I mean, because what also came with the emotions from that game and everything that happened was also that they did not play that game. And then they played another game the next week, and then they were right into the playoffs, fighting for their lives with, with yeah. Chip Skylark and the Miami Dolphins. So the biggest thing was that they needed to shake off everything. I don't think Josh Allen has that bad of a game. And what I don't like for the Bengals is that they're going to have three backups on their offensive line. I think the Bills are going to target Joe Burrow very hard. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume that they're going to blitz a lot. Um, and Joe Burrow, he wasn't really good at quickly throwing the ball last week against the Ravens defense. I'm not saying the Bills have as good as a defense um, as the Ravens, but I think they're going to pressure Burrow, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's about five or six sacks because the Bills, they're, I think they're going to be tryhards this game. I think we're going to see yeah. you know, Josh Allen flinging the ball downfield early, hit or miss. I think he's going to let it fly. Um, I wouldn't be surprised with two interceptions, but I do right. still see like 300-plus yards, and I see the Bills – rolling on over the Bengals because if the Bengals, if Joe Burrow pulls this off with the offensive line he has right now, I, I will believe that he can beat the Chiefs. But otherwise, yeah. I don't, I can't, I can't see it. And that's the thing. I, I can absolutely believe either one of these teams beating Chiefs, it, especially it, after they get by the, the, the other team. <laughs> so either way, somebody's coming off of a very strong win while the Chiefs got to warm up against the Jaguars. So, uh, I could see it either way, uh, but I think the Bills stand the better chance, and I think they know it. I think the one thing that's actually unfair to Cincinnati uh, is that they didn't get to play that game. Therefore, since he didn't have a chance at at least the number two seed and hosting this game, because uh, I think this is a different outcome in the jungle compared to in Buffalo. Uh, so it's at least a very close game in Cincinnati. And like you said, I think the Bills roll with this. I think in that with that home crowd, people going through tables in the parking lot while they're getting off the bus, it's going to be too much. I don't think since he's ready. And like you said, I see a lot of sacks from the Bills. I see I see closer to 400 yards. I'm probably going for a 375 prop. Uh, for Josh Allen, I see four touchdowns. I see two interceptions as well. Uh, so I think the Bengals keep it reasonably close. So I do like Mixon, which I'll talk about soon in Bill's block. But uh, Bills do roll here for me. Uh, so on to Cowboys versus 49ers. Man, I don't think this is a close one. Um, I think this is 49ers rolling. Unless CeeDee Lamb can absolutely go ham. That's it. That's the only matchup that really is advantage Cowboys everywhere else. It's going to be tough. 
there's a chance Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy is not ready for this stage because obviously this is a much bigger game than against the Seahawks. He's already done it against Seahawks, from my understanding, as long as those division matchups lined up while with while he was playing. Uh, but this is going to be the first time playing a real playoff game. And, you know, we've seen much bigger names shy away from opportunities like this and not perform on the grand stage. So there's a chance, but I think 49ers roll. I'm going, God damn it. It's the guy. See, it's, it's the Cowboys. And then it's the Brock Purdy. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't really like what I, I'm not too sold on what I saw against the Seahawks. I think this Cowboys defense, they're hungry. They want it. They want to, they're going to play rough against him. I think they're going to rattle him very early. Um, you know, the 49ers are a little, um, you know, banged up. Um, but I think it's going to be a, a very close game. Um, I think both defenses are going to shine more than anything, but I don't know. I think that Cowboys run game, they're going to, they're going to have a good one. I think they're going to figure that out and it's all going to come down to Dak Prescott. I, I want to sit here and say that the Cowboys are going to win. Um, I, I really don't know who to sit here and say is going to win. Um, I think either way, the, the winner is going to lose to the Eagles. Um, but if I'm going to follow a narrative, I think the NFL really wants to see the Cowboys and the Eagles rather than the 49ers and the Eagles. So I'm going to say that the Cowboys are going to get it done. I think they're going to squeak by. I think Dak Prescott's going to get some, something lucky is going to happen for him. Their defense, I think, is going to shine. They're going to shut down the 49ers. Something unfortunate happens for San Fran. And, you know, it, it, it's tough to pick the winner here. I don't, I, I don't know how you see a blowout. Um, maybe they do blow them out. You've been right about these 49ers. So... You know what? I, I'm gonna say they lose just because I want to see the Eagles and the Cowboys because it's it's a tough one. America wants to see the Eagles versus Cowboys too. By all means, from a rating standpoint, that probably is it. Unless we're really I did. If it comes on, if it comes down to the refs, I think I, I think the refs are gonna go with the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, but uh, you know maybe Brock Purdy is the prodigal son, and maybe this is what's going to be uh, forced down our throat. <laughs> just like that. last week, like maybe he's Tom Brady, maybe yep. Brock Lesnar the episode before. <laughs> so uh, quick into Bill's block, uh, we've got just a DraftKings lineup this week. Not a whole lot of other ways to make money at this point in the season. So to quickly walk you through uh, last week's lineup, it crushed. Uh, Every player had scored a touchdown. Uh, really, the the quarterback play wasn't perfect. If we did spin out to Daniel Jones, that would have been great. Uh, the reason that cash games work better is because you can't predict some crazy performances by some other players uh, who end up scoring 30 points plus. So if you miss out on one of those, you tend to lose out on a tournament. But, hey, uh, we can always chase it all the same. Uh, cashed handily never really had a doubt on the cash lineups uh but definitely feel free to utilize some of these players in some touchdown parlays as well uh so this week starting off at quarterback going with patrick mahomes i think the matchup against the jags is the easiest one to target uh so going to be stacking him with travis kelsey who i talked about is likely for two or three touchdowns jags have given up a ton of touchdowns and a ton of points in general to the tight end position uh patrick mahomes can spread it out even against the toughest of defense 
against wide receivers. Uh, so I trust that the wide receivers will get theirs as well. So I am going with the value playing Kadarius Tony, who the last time uh, that he faced the Jaguars ended up with 31 points as well. For running backs, going with Joe Mixon against the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo, if they're going to give up points, does tend to do it on the ground. Uh, so I could see Joe Mixon having himself a nice little day. Uh, plus, with the money that I had left over, he fit in quite nicely. Going Miles Sanders as my stud, though. Uh, Miles Sanders actually less money than Mixon, but I think he's going to have highest point total on the slate for running backs. Uh, Boston Scott is a good value play if you want to pivot, uh, but I do like Miles Sanders a ton here. C.D. Lamb is my number one wide receiver play of the week. The 49ers, if they're soft against anything, it is wide receivers. They play kind of an umbrella-style defense that usually backs the corners up a little bit. They don't let much go over the top, but they do let a decent amount go over the middle where Lamb is very very sufficient and a little bit to the outside uh, where he should be able to dink and dunk down the field. And he's their favorite guy to do. So I do like T Y Hilton as well. Uh, just from a sheer value standpoint in order to squeeze everything else in uh, went with T Y Hilton for extreme value play. And they've really liked him since he signed on with the Cowboys. I've got Evan Engram as my flex. Evan Engram has been getting a lot of balls thrown his way. Uh, he's a big target in the red zone for Jacksonville. I think they're going to be behind. They're going to be throwing plenty. Somebody's got to catch it. Uh, so Evan Engram was the perfect value for me on that. And to wrap it up, I do have the Cowboys defense. Uh, so the Cowboys defense should get to the quarterback. They should get a couple sacks. I don't expect a ridiculous total from the 49ers. I don't expect it to be a very close game, uh, but I do think the Cowboys defense is good for at least a few sacks, hopefully a turnover as well. Uh, so that that's really all it's going to take to pay off that salary. I think overall, outside of that Cowboys versus Niners game, we got a lot of high totals that we're preparing for. Uh, so definitely target that game if you've got the money go up, pay for the 49ers, uh, but for my lineup, had to squeeze down on the Cowboys. That wraps up for Bill's Block. Let's go make some more money. All right, so thank you for, you know, another good edition of Bill's Block. You know, like, like Bill said last week, absolute fire. Um, but you know what? Thank you for watching. This was another good episode. Um, we, we, we have a lot of good football ahead. I have a feeling whatever the outcomes we get from these playoffs – Next week, we're going to be treated with some very, very sweaty, good championship games. I cannot wait. I'm like salivating right now just thinking about it. So everyone, make sure you like, subscribe, share. We got a lot more coming. We have a very good year in store here at the Built Different Podcast. Bill, you got any closing words? That's going to be it for this week. Really looking forward to some great football in the divisional round. And like you said, I think it's only going to get better from there. So uh, we've got a lot of talent left on the football fields. We've got a lot of money left to make with some DraftKings and some bonus bets. So uh, follow us on this journey and we'll talk to you next week. All right. And there you have it, everyone. Thank you for watching. Have a good night.